0: Hey everyone, welcome to Games Are Fun, the weekly video game podcast that discusses video game news stories and the biggest topics in the industry. My name is Luke and I'm your host. Today I'm joined by my co-host Adam Beagle. Adam, how's it going today?
1: I'm good, man. How are you doing?
0: Doing really good. I want to thank you for hosting last week's episode. It was very surreal <laughs> to me to be able to listen to my <laughs> own podcast Uh you know with someone else hosting in the hosting seat so you guys did an awesome job it was a great episode last week so i just wanted to thank you for that
1: yeah no problem it was a good time
0: today's episode we're going to cover a couple different stories that have been floating around the first thing we wanted to talk about was google stadia I finally got a release date of november 19th and Although we finally have a date on when we're actually going to be able to play this service, there's a couple things that we still have some questions about, and it's making us maybe a little nervous considering we're only a couple weeks away from that. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Steam has introduced a new way of playing cooperative games online, uh, which with their Steam Remote Play Together beta, so we're going to talk about that. And then lastly, Stephen and Adam both talked about PS5 last week and some of the details that surrounded what that console is going to contain from a technical side, but there was a PS5 dev kit. There was patents, you know, flowing around like within the last month or so, and now we actually have seen a picture confirming of the, the patents and concepts of that dev kit are actually real that's what it looks like so we're just going to talk about some of the information that we can gather just from looking at that dev kit what it could mean for the ps5 and then maybe just talk about some of the features that we're hoping the ps5 will include i know that like i said last week you guys talked about that um, but let's just kind of continue that conversation a little bit more and then yeah we'll end off the show just like we do every week with what games we have been playing But before we get to all that, just a reminder that Games Are Fun is available every Tuesday. You can get on every podcast service pretty much out there. All the big ones like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Just search for Games Are Fun and it should pop up there. And I guess that's it. That's all the the housekeeping we have to take care of. Um, I will actually mention that we're only a couple weeks away from... The release of Death Stranding. And I have mentioned on the show before that I am hoping to do a Death Stranding kind of spoiler cast uh, for the podcast. I'm going to still do that. It's going to be kind of like a side episode. So we'll still continue like the, the regular show after Death Stranding's release. But somewhere within the week or a couple weeks after Death Stranding's release, I'm going to record a spoiler cast and throw that up uh, sometime during the week. So you'll have an additional episode to listen to, but I'll give more details around when that's going up and what it's gonna contain when we get closer to you know Death Stranding. So Alright, let's jump into the news with Google Stadia getting a release date. So first story is uh, I'm just pulling some of the information from The Verge. Uh, this is Sean Holster. So Google Stadia game service is officially coming November 19th and here is everything you need to know. So Google has revealed the key details that were conspicuously missing from its March announcement of the new Stadia game streaming service. Namely, what the heck we're going to be able to play, how much we'll pay, and when we can get started, and the exciting new service get started with the exciting new service, which beams high-end console and PC games to any Chrome web browser, Chromecast Ultra TV dongle, or Pixel 3 smartphone from beefy new Google servers. So, the short version, Google Stadia will launch on November 19th in 14 different territories, excuse me, I've had coffee at this point, <laughs> in 14 different territories, including the US, UK, and Canada, with at least 31 games from 21 different publishers for an initial Founders Edition, price of $130 for a hardware starter kit with three months of premium service and a $10 a month afterwards. There's a separate free tier coming in 2020. So the pre-orders for the Founders Edition are still open. Uh, I believe I actually read somewhere that the Founders Edition in the UK have been sold out. So kind of interesting. I don't know how uh, a service can really sell out. But I guess it's more of like the the Founders console or not console, the controller and stuff and some of the other stuff that's packaged with it. Um, while well, you've probably heard predictions that Google Stadia will be the Netflix of games, it turns out the analogy only goes so far while Google intends to eventually have a back catalog of free games included for your $10 monthly fee, Stadia is not primarily a subscription service. The subscription only includes a single game as of today, Destiny 2. Primarily, Google tells us you should expect to buy, not rent, cloud games for the same retail prices you'd find on other platforms like PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, and Steam. We will sell these games like any other digital storefront, Google's director of games, Jack uh, Bucer, tells The Verge. So you're probably wondering which games and game studios are on board. So this is the list of Stadia-confirmed games, however, it should be noted that like the article said, all we know right now is that Destiny 2 is like the only confirmed game that is coming to launch. And then I believe I read on another article somewhere that Red Dead Redemption 2 was going to be confirmed on release date. But other than that, that's that's all we have for a launch lineup. Uh, so let me go through this and then we can kind of talk, give our thoughts about that. So um, here's some games that are confirmed coming to Stadia, which I, I believe we've gone over on the show before, but... Dragon Ball of Xenoverse 2, uh, Doom Eternal which has been delayed till March, Um, Doom 2016, Rage 2, The Elder Scrolls Online, Wolfenstein Youngblood, uh, Destiny 2 as mentioned, Uh, To Be Determined Games from Capcom, Cyberpunk 2077, Get Packed, Grid, Metro Exodus, Windjammers 2, Thumper, Still games to be decided by EA. Farm, Farming Simulator 19, uh, Kine, Baldur's Gate 3, Power Rangers Battle for the Grid, Orcs Must Die 3, Red Dead Redemption 2, Football Manager 2020, Samurai Showdown, Final Fantasy 15, Marvel's Avengers, Tomb Raider Definitive Edition, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Super Hot Mind Control Delete, NBA 2K20, Borderlands 3, Guilt, Mortal Kombat 11, Darksiders Genesis, Destroy All Humans, and then from Ubisoft we have Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Gods and Monsters, Just Dance, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint, Tom Clancy's The Division 2, Trials Rising, The Crew 2, and Watch Dogs Legion. So I'll end it off there. Adam, what do you make of the fact that we only know, you know one, maybe two launch games for the Stadia service that's launching in just a matter of weeks?
1: It's not great. Um, <laughs> obviously, we would like to know more of what's coming. So, uh, those that have pre ordered m- know what they're going to get besides just Destiny 2. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these games that are in that list are either not released yet or they're older games. Mm-hmm. So, it's not like, uh, you know, Stadia Founders are getting anything really new or exclusive. Um, the one thing that's Maybe could have made a big impact and maybe still could is, you know, the fact that we see here electronics is still to be determined. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they do, if they were to come out and say, hey, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is going to be a Stadia game, um, you know, it'll come out day and date with or I mean, I guess it would be available at launch because I think Stadia comes out a couple days after. Yeah. Um, Fall order comes mm-hmm. out. So for anyone that was getting the founders Edition and was having that, you know maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to wait a couple of days to have a brand new game to try out on the service and to and to play and and get a good feel for. I know if I was getting the founders Edition um, and that was that was coming out, I'd probably wait the extra couple of days. I'm super hyped for that game, but at least it would give me something uh, a new experience to try out on that platform.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's why a lot of people are still, you know, not necessarily on the on board with pre-ordering it because it does have an... It's, it, like, there are a couple games here, like... Um, Orcs Must Die 3, I guess, is a Stadia exclusive or uh, at least a Time exclusive, maybe. And then mm-hmm. uh, a game from Tequila Works called Guilt. But again, these are just... These are new IPs, things that haven't really... You know, yeah, don't necessarily have the AAA. hype. Yeah, exactly. And so you know, the not including a brand new AAA game, whether it's a sequel or a new IP, is it's a very questionable move in my opinion. And yeah, it's. I mean, for myself who has pre-ordered the Founder's Edition, I'm excited, but at the same time, it's like if all I'm going to be able to play really is Destiny, it's it's a bit of a bummer even though there's that new you know expansion with shadow keep and everything it's still you know i've played destiny 2 before although it has been a while it would be cool coming in and trying this new service with a brand new game
1: yeah and i will say you know for anyone that maybe hasn't played red dead redemption 2 or maybe hasn't played uh games like final fantasy 15 or the the tomb raider series you know those might be great games to uh, give a chance and play the only downside is really that um, again they're they're not new games and you still have to pay for the games mm-hmm. so you're you're you know paying for the founders pack but then you also have to buy these games and you know we don't know yet if they're still going <clears> to <throat> try and be selling these games at like the original 60 dollar you know price point for for new games or if it's going to be um, you know at like a sale price or a lowered price since they're not brand new so um not knowing exactly what the, the pricing is gonna look like. Um, you know, that's just complicates things a little bit more.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that, you know, they they've laid out that they are going to have a plan of releasing free games, you know, every month or whatever.
1: Right, but but kind of like a PS Plus, yeah, exactly, but Xbox Gold kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and it will be the question will be like, what kind of games are we going to be receiving? Like, I think when I compare them to PSN or Xbox, you know, PSN, in my opinion, is the strongest with that. Almost Mm -hmm. every month they have at least one solid like triple A game on there. Xbox, in the past, they'll have like some really good months, but then they all have two or three months put together that's like you know, we're getting this weird old ass Disney Xbox 360 game, like I think (laughs) last month was Bolt or something like that. Yeah. And it's like,
1: yeah, they're not always winners. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's
0: (laughs) what is Stadia going to do with that? You know, obviously, they're probably going to have more current games because of the licensing reasons. You know, Xbox can maybe go back to older catalogs with backwards compatibility for, you know, months that they won't won't necessarily be able to get those big games but yeah i'm just hoping that we get you know those bigger games every month to make it a little more worthwhile since there isn't it isn't a subscription service i still that's the one thing that i'm having the most difficult time wrapping my head around is that idea of buying the game and not like not physically owning it in a certain way you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it's it's up in the cloud right it's it's a weird concept that I, I think I'll be okay with, but it's just wrapping your head around that. It's a, it's a little bit of a struggle.
1: Yeah, and, and another thing to consider, too, while we don't have all the details we'd like to see for, for the launch of it, uh, for those that pre-ordered, uh, the future of it does seem to be in, in pretty good shape. You know, it is getting big big title games like Watch Dogs Legion or mm-hmm. um, some other ones. Cyberpunk. Uh, uh, Cyberpunk, yeah. So, I mean, it is going to be getting... Um, big time releases, the Avengers, uh, you know, another one coming out that the, the future of it, and and I don't know that any of these are necessarily confirmed day and date, but Mm -hmm. I I think it'd be kind of surprising if they weren't, um, you know, by the time those games are coming out, that's, you know, I would think Stadia is going to be in its full, full release that they would be able to get those, those titles day and date with the other platforms. So, uh, going forward, I think it's going to be okay. It's just, I think the launch is going to be, um, as we're seeing here, is going to be a little light on new games. But going forward, I think, you know, it could be a good contender with the other platforms.
0: For sure. Have you decided, like, I know that you've kind of been kind of on the fence the last couple months of, like, Stadia, if you're on board or not. Now that we're getting closer and the release date's coming up, like, what are your overall thoughts on Stadia? Are you totally in for it yet, or are you still skeptical? I'm... I think
1: I'm eventually gonna get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the pre-orders still just it's not quite there for me. Yeah. Um, you know, again, maybe if Star Wars were on that list, but even then, you know, you got to wait a couple of days to to be able to play it at that point. Yeah. Um, I think eventually it's gonna be a platform that that I take a look at, especially because you know, there's really no console to have to worry about. Like you can try it for free eventually in mm-hmm. 2020 when they, when they roll that out. So um, it's definitely going to be worth trying out. I think um, I believe that it's going to be, you know, kind of the future of gaming. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm really looking forward to how things play out. And, you know, I, I have a really solid internet connection where I live. I know uh, for a lot of people that's, you know kind of makes things a little bit tougher for them but I have great internet here so uh it should be no problem for me to give it a try um you know when it's available but it's just the the pre-order I've been really having a hard time pulling the trigger on as much as I really want to because I think that the tech is amazing um and we'll kind of talk about this a, a little bit later but um in some games that have cross-platform capability it, it's kind of giving me a taste of what stadia could be mm-hmm. you know being able to play something on PC or console, hop onto my Nintendo Switch and and have that same kind of progression and and play anywhere sort of feel like it it it's fantastic mm-hmm. and I can't wait to to get more of that and you know Stadia seems very promising and being able to deliver on that um, they just need to increase their lineup a little bit make it uh, more compelling I guess.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I'm a little disappointed as somebody who has pre-ordered it and seen this now. I was hoping that by the time we got around to this, we would maybe have some like new, new games instead of these games that have released within this year or last year, some point. I mean, there's still a ton of games on here that I've been wanting to check out and haven't been able to check out. So like Assassin's Creed Odyssey is a game that I really want to play, but have yet to play. So mm-hmm. it's it's getting to that point where it's been out for a while now. Will it be there at launch, and will it be cheaper? Because if it's cheaper than some other games that are on there, then that's yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna pick that up because that's a a good thing. But I, I understand that there's so many other people that probably have played a majority of these games, and they're gonna be left thinking like, well, you know, I've I've played primarily all these games. What is there for me to play besides you know Destiny, right? So. Yeah, it should be interesting. I made the decision to pre-order kind of based on the fact that um, it was a really good value, I think, for me. Uh, yeah. the, the Chromecast Ultras, at least where in Canada, I think in the States they're a little bit cheaper, but they're a, a, at least $100. And then you add up the the cost of what you would pay per month with, you know, it being free for Three months the stadia pro subscription and then throwing in a controller on top of that whereas controllers can easily be you know 70 to 100 mm-hmm. it's like you know I, I i'll get on board just for that reason it'd be nice to get yeah. i have just a regular chromecast uh in our bedroom but it'd be great to have a chromecast out on my 4k tv and just having even if it's not what the xbox 1x could do in terms of gaming in 4k with hdr support and everything like that i have yet to experience that because i have the base i still have the base xbox Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so it's like it gives me a year if it works if it lives up to the expectations you know it gives me a full year before the next gen consoles come where i can actually experience some 4k gaming for the first time ever so that's what i'm looking forward to out of it but um, yeah
1: and as far as breaking into the entry point of this, you know, quote unquote, like console, um, it, it, it it is a great value, like mm-hmm. you said, yeah, because you do get all those things. And it's, in my opinion, very affordable price, um, especially for things that you might be buying anyway, if you do go all in on the service. And that's kind of where I've been sort of back and forth on the pre-order process, too. And it's like, well, you know, worst case, I got, you know, chromecast ultra out of the thing you know what mm. i mean yeah exactly and uh their controller seems really cool with the integrations that they have with the service in those controllers like yeah i know you can use other controllers with it but you might not get the same experience or get the the overall like stadia vision yeah um if you don't have that controller so yeah you know it is definitely great value and then getting the three months of that premium service so if they are rolling out free games during that time um you know you don't have to worry about paying the extra for it because it's already been rolled into uh, the price that yeah. that you've already paid. So. Yeah, for sure. And uh, real quick, cause, you know, you were saying about Assassin's Creed Odyssey, the, that was the game that they introduced in the beta when they did that, when they ran the beta for the service last mm-hmm. year um, around this time. So it'd be really weird if they didn't have that at launch mm-hmm. and if they do offer it at like a, you know as long as it's not like a $60 game, like if they do bring the price down a little bit because it is a year old, that would be really compelling i i did play it on on xbox and i had a lot of fun i never ended up beating it cause it's a huge game yeah um but it's a great game too and i think that would be you know awesome to be able to have that experience is kind of like a just sort of play wherever
0: yeah you know yeah and it's definitely the game like all these developers have i'm sure been hard at work at getting their games compatible on stadia and all the the things that come with porting it over to that but yeah Assassin's Creed is the one game that's had the most experience on that and back last year when people were in the beta playing it on you know Chromecast browsers and everything like that it was working pretty good they they experienced very little issues mm-hmm. and so yep. now that we're a year later you know I you would think that it, it should be a pretty pretty good experience so yeah, I'm looking looking forward to it. I the one thing that I won't be able to do, I I am gonna obviously give impressions and review once it launches and stuff. And but uh, there's a couple things that are limiting people from playing it on all devices. Of course, it's only going to be available on uh, where is it here? I think it was on Chrome. That- Sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was gonna say I didn't know if you're heading to to mobile, but like Pixel yeah. Three and Pixel Three A's are the only one, like only mobile mobile yeah. phones that you can get it on.
0: They did announce uh, since Pixel Four was announced uh, earlier last week, they did confirm that Pixel, and I think they even I would have to look it up, but I think that Pixel Twos were actually announced as well. Oh, okay, um, just again p- makes sense them pushing their their flagship smartphone. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of unfortunate. Like, I, I'm i actually, right now, and in currently, in like a, tomorrow, I think, I'm, I can upgrade my phone for a new one. My contract's up with this one. And I wanted to get the new Pixel 4 because it was going to be compatible for Stadia. Then I could kind of be the first ones to kind of play it on my TV with my Chromecast Ultra and also see what it's like on mobile. But... Unfortunately, like the Pixel Four is just not living up to my expectations. Mm-hmm, uh, when I yeah. when I saw the announcement for that, I'm probably going to get an S10. But it'll, it will only be a, a matter of time before right. you know we'll, other people will be able to play it, iOS users that kind of stuff. So, yeah,
1: yeah, I'm kind of hoping that by the time they kind of release it to to everybody and not just the those that pre-ordered, I'm hoping at that time they'll open it up to, um, other mobile devices as Mm -hmm. well. You know, Apple devices, Samsung devices, you know, all the other Android, you know, phones. And, um, hopefully they'll, they'll open that up so that it it can be, you know, a little bit more mobile.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I just wanted to confirm that it has been revealed that pixel two and pixel two XL devices, as well as the pixel four devices, will be compatible um yeah yeah they're going to be compatible with stadia uh, during launch one other thing to note though that was kind of making its rounds is for whatever reason the controller when playing with mobile as well as i think through like uh like a chromebook or something like that you need to have the controller actually plugged into the device so mm-hmm. that was something that was quite surprising to me that mm-hmm. yeah. if, if you had a Pixel 4 and, you know, you got one of those mounts to be able to mount the fo- your phone to your controller, you actually have to plug the controller into the phone for it to work for some reason. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure that's something that later down the line they could possibly just do a, an update for and it change. I, my only, like, I thought maybe that it had something to do with helping you know with input and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but then again Mm -hmm. it's like why if it's available to play wirelessly on the chromecast ultra why wouldn't it be available on the phone like it you know there's bluetooth capability there um you connect you if you can connect the controller through wi-fi you know what i mean like it just it it was a little surprising to me that they that that, that's a thing and i don't know necessarily what the reason is for that but i just wanted to make a note of it All right, so let's move on to our next story. So this is coming from Matt Kim over at IGN. So Steam now lets you play local multiplayer games online with Remote Play Together beta. So local multiplayer for Steam games are now available for anyone thanks to Steam's Remote Play Together. The feature enters public beta today, so you can log into Steam and test the feature right now. So Remote Play Together lets Steam users join local co-op local multiplayer, and split-screen games online. The feature allows up to four players or more, depending on the game, to play together remotely. What's more, only one player, the host, needs to own and install the game for the feature to work. So here's how to activate remote play together on Steam. Um, So I'll I'll just say this for interest's sake. Sign up for Steam beta, uh, launch a local multiplayer game, invite friends from your friends list, In the Steam overlay and select Remote Play Together, and that's it. Besides playing local multiplayer games together, Remote Play Together allows players to stream video, audio, sorry, stream video, audio, input, and voice between players. The feature also supports PC, Mac, and uh, Linux. Linux? Linux? Linux. Linux, so nobody is. Does anyone actually use Linux? (laughs) <laughs> i don't think i've actually um, used or seen linux in my entire life if i'm being there honest. is <laughs> a
1: it's kind of one of those things where like there is a dedicated following for linux yeah um but it's not like i mean it's not super mainstream yeah so. yeah yeah uh
0: so nobody is left out if they have a different operating system Our remote play together is still in beta so players are encouraged to give feedback on the discussion forums um here's list of supported Remote play titles and clean titles, so Rocket League, Divinity Original Sin Two, Gears Five, are just a couple examples of games that support the remote play together. So, really cool feature. Uh, do you have any thoughts around this? So, I'm
1: I'm not 100 percent sure I understand what it is, and um, so maybe you can explain it to me. Sure. You, but so, is this basically like just one person owns a copy, and then other people can play along, uh, like from? Over the internet,
0: yeah. So basically, that's one aspect of it. the The main push here is games that include like cooperative multiplayer, um, from like a a local standpoint. So if they have a local co op mode or um, like a local multiplayer mode, Um, and there are excuse me, there are a couple games like I actually just reviewed one this year called Blazing Beaks, and it had this great uh, four player mode. But it's only supported local co-op. So what you could do now with remote play together is um, through this beta is you can it actually turns that mode into having online capabilities. So you and I could then play together uh, a a mode that was traditionally only local co-op or something. Um, Go ahead. I was
1: initially confused because, you know, it seems like every game just already has online co-op. Uh, with it already, so I'm thinking to myself, like, well, what's what's really the difference between, like, you're calling it like couch co-op or couch multiplayer or whatever? How is that different than like games that already have an online multiplayer function built into it? But um, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. Like, if that's not an option, yeah,
0: there, there's um, excuse me, quite a few games. Um, I again, I don't necessarily have. Like, here's a list. Again, some of these might support online co-op, um, but maybe some of them just have it local. So, like, Rocket League, The Jackbox, Party Pack 6, Divinity Original Sin 2, NBA 2K20, uh, Gears 5, Brawlhalla, Overcooked 2, um, Human Fall Flat, Tekken 7, Left 4 Dead 2, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, Binding of Isaac Rebirth. Like, there's just a bunch of games on here. Enter the Gungeon, Cuphead... So that's actually interesting. I think Cuphead Mm -hmm. is only local co-op. Yeah. So that would Mm -hmm. be a really cool game that that would work for. But yeah, I think the bigger part here is the fact that you, like, if I owned the game and you didn't, we could still play together. That's really, really interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that is definitely pretty neat.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to include it because I read it yesterday. And as you guys know, me and Adam don't primarily play pc games we kind of stick to consoles but it's an interesting story because i think it's a, a feature that you know if it ever made its way onto consoles would be really neat like i said i played a game this year that i reviewed and i didn't even really get to check out that mode just because i didn't have people that could come over and play that game with me and so i missed out on you know a portion of the game that could have been really fun and there's so many other games like that that you know, maybe you don't have friends in your area, or you know, people that you could play with on the couch, and you would, you kind of need people to play online with. Now it's just kind of creating that option, I guess. So,
1: yeah, and there was um, a couple games. I want to say on the 3DS. Now, granted, I think you still had to be in the same room, kind of do like an ad hoc thing, but mm-hmm. uh, on the 3DS, I think there was Mario Party and uh one of the mario kart games where one person could just Mm -hmm. have the cartridge for the game yeah and they could play together on just that one copy um so i know there were a couple games that did that but again i think you still had to be in the same vicinity for it to work but it's kind of like that but on like a, a wider scale which is pretty cool
0: yeah yeah no it's really neat so yeah i that's i just wanted to include it for the sake of conversation um, let's move on. So, the PS5 dev kit has been leaked in all its V-shaped glory. So, this is coming from Alex Avard over at Games Radar. So, less than 2 weeks since Sony confirmed the PS5 holiday 2020 release date. New leaked photo, fo- or sorry, new leaked photos of the next gen console's dev kit has surfaced online. The photo which has emerged via a source from Zone of Tech corroborates with previously leaked patent sketches of the PS5 to have emerged over the last year, which appears to be shaped in the form of a V, which also happens to be the Roman numeral for five. As seen below, the image gives us a much better look at the dev kit and its various ports, which reveal new details about Sony's upcoming successor to the PS4, if it is to be believed. There are a few things that pop out. Um, so, again, this is kind of one of those things that's hard to talk about. It's easier if you just kind of go and look at a picture yourself. If you're up to date on industry news, I'm sure you've already seen a picture of it. But it basically, it is it is like kind of a square, but there is kind of a V shape to it. The V almost act as like cooling vents um, and ventilation for the system. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff on the front. Um, so there's one that's actually a small circle, and... There, it's kind of rumored that it could be a camera. Um, to so in the article, it says, as a new feature for PS5 to facilitate 4K live streaming at the press of a button. Um, so that is a possibility that it is a camera, and you know, to do things like if you're going to stream on Twitch or Mixer or something like that, having a camera built in to actually act as like a webcam would be really, really neat. Um, So take note also of the two INIT ports on the left-hand side, one labeled system and the other network. It's not confirmed, but this is a typical feature of PlayStation dev kits, which allow developers and press to access either the retail or internal software of the device, thus adding... uh, Where are we here? I've lost my place. Uh,
1: Adding Veracity... To oh, at the bottom. The
0: <laughs> I looked away and then veracity to the leaked image itself. The photo also shows the kit has at least six USB ports and your standard eject, reset, and standby buttons, though it's worth emphasizing that even if this leak is genuine, this model has no bearing on the look or working of the final product itself. Um, with that in mind, consume every detail of this image with, hel- with healthy helpings of doubt-infused salt, enjoying it merely as a vague... <laughs> A portent of what to expect from PS5 next year rather than confirmed insight into its makeup. Um, That's basically it. So the reason why I wanted to include this is just to kind of maybe talk about some of those features. So first of all, let's talk a little bit about the cons, the dev kit itself again. We have to the preface it like the article says that this is probably not what PS5 is going to look like. Right? Um, you know, we've seen tons of dev kits in the past. Um, I'm sure if you looked up some dev kits from some of your favorite consoles, you'd be surprised on how just ugly they look. Um, <laughs> some of them they're basically just like computers, uh, computer towers, and or big boxes with lots of buttons and in, input inputs on them. And there's a couple reasons for that. The the big reason is because obviously they're not going to reveal what the design is because that's a very important part of a console and its identity and and everything like that, especially to its competitors and stuff. You want to keep that under wraps. Um, So you're not going to give once it's out in the wild. You know that's a lot of people. They sign you know documents and contracts saying that you know, NDAs and everything like that. But you're still kind of it's the first time that you're giving everything that you've been working on for several years out into the wild where it, it like we see here, it's it could get leaked and um, so yeah, they they do that I think to protect themselves from that. So if it does get leaked, no one that the reveal of the console itself isn't going to be it's still going to be a surprise and everything like that. Um, what do you think of all this included in the dev kit or some of the things like the possibility of a camera included on the console?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, first off, like, as we mentioned, this thing is, is ugly, like all capital letters. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, it's obviously not going to be the final product, but, um, I, I don't think we're going to see, you know, like this said, there's, six USB ports on the front. I don't think the final version is going to have six USB ports. I think it'll be uh, like two, like we see on the the PlayStation 4. Um, You know, some of those additional lights and things on the front or, you know, the INIT things, Mm -hmm. you know, we obviously won't get those. Those are kind of just for dev kits. Exactly. Uh, The camera thing's kind of cool. The only thing that just kind of doesn't make sense for me is that, it, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really put my PlayStation in a position where I could stream myself. Like, mm-hmm. if it was, if the camera, if I was going to turn the camera on on this thing and it was built in, um, it, it might get my feet, you know, yeah, exactly. or, or just a lot of nothing because it's usually pretty dark in the room that I'm gaming in. So, um, I, I mean, I'm not wild about the camera. Like, I don't think it's necessary. But I mean, there are a lot of people that stream these days, so not having to buy an extra accessory uh, is, is really nice. Um, I would hope that they do offer some sort of like, um, kind of like you can get on laptops where there's like a, something that you can just kind of slide to cover up the camera. Right. Yeah. For those like myself, you know, tinfoil hats, <laughs> big brothers watching sure. sort of thing. Yeah. Like <laughs> I would just want to have it covered up for my own peace of mind. I don't, know that i would ever personally try and stream from it if i do i'd probably just link it up to my computer like i do now and just do it that way um so i mean i I probably wouldn't use the camera but Mm -hmm. again there's people that don't that don't have that same kind of setup that could do it so having an option to stream if they wanted to uh would be nice and again you don't need a camera to stream there's a lot of people that stream uh that don't have themselves on the screen at the same time yeah. so
0: yeah i i'm pretty much in the same boat in terms of that stuff like when it comes to if if there is an inclusion of a camera on the console i'm kind of in the same boat it's it's something that's like the only real purpose i think it would have would be for you know it, there's a i think so you, you need the playstation like i or whatever it's or what is is that what the Ca- camera is called the playstation yes, camera it, or whatever yeah for vr is that correct if you do you need uh, it i that? believe so yeah so i was thinking if maybe the camera would uh, like serve as maybe a way of like tracking and stuff like that for vr okay. headsets and that if that's sense. maybe something that uh if there is a you know a new version of the vr headset that is maybe wireless um but still needs some sort of connection to, you know, not like uh, Oculus Quest or something like that, but something that could still be wireless, um, but something on the console, another piece of hardware tracking body movements and stuff like that, and the space that you're moving around to kind of do that. I don't know, maybe that's the only other real thing I could see the camera serving a purpose to besides streaming, right? It seems like a pretty big thing to put into a console. For maybe just one purpose of that but because mm-hmm. you know we have definitely moved away from uh, those games from like you know, the Wii or the Kinect era you know, right motion <laughs> motion controlled games and stuff and I don't think they're going to be making a, a comeback for that so yeah it would be interesting but I'm in the same same boat my console is pretty low to the ground on like my my tv stand below my tv and I have my coffee table in front of that, and it's like I would need to put it up much higher and much closer if I really wanted to utilize that for streaming in any sort of way. So, I mean, who knows? This is also just rumor. There has... I don't know if there's been confirmation that it's going to include a camera on. I think a lot of people have just seen that circle on the dev kit and, you know, come up with an idea that it could be a camera. But who knows? Maybe that's a a button or or something that you know serves a completely different purpose
1: yeah i mean every everything's speculation right now until it's confirmed by playstation so
0: yeah uh in terms of the console itself i like it is very ugly the one thing that is interesting is that there tend there looks like a lot of ventilation going on with this console and there's a reason for that right they didn't I, I don't think they're, they put that in there... I mean, it's possible. It's, it's definitely possible that they put that in there just as a way to, you know, mess with people. But I, I do think we're going to have some sort of, you know, focus on systems that ventilate. I mean, there there's no denying that even PS4 Pros and some of the launch PS4s literally sound like a jet engine taking off right Um, (laughs) when i boot up spider-man on my ps4 slim even last year it sounded like it was dying or when i when i played red dead it it was so loud um even though i had headphones on i could hear my console (laughs) in the background making that noise right and so i don't know that that's uh, that that also deals with processing power and all the other stuff but a way to kind of keep the system cool and prevent it from overheating is really important considering that games are going to be getting bigger and, um, you know, harder to process. You know, there's lots of new tech coming into these things, but I I hope that they they future-proof it in the sense that, you know, in five years from now that it's still being able to run the games. Um... Yeah, so that's that's basically all I really... Is there any features? I know you guys kind of talked a, a little bit about this last week, but is there any features for the PS5 that you would really hope to see make its way to the console?
1: Um, in terms of things that haven't been announced, um, nothing really that I can think of. Um, I know I was mentioning last week that I am super hyped for the SSDs and just kind of mm-hmm. the... Uh, elimination of load times and, and, you know, things of that nature and being able to just jump right into the games. Cause I mean, some, some of the load times on games are just, uh, they're getting to be pretty extensive. Totally. And so being able to just cut that out entirely is going to be really nice as well as kind of uh, opening up worlds a little bit more, you know, the, the Spider-Man demo and mm-hmm. how they were just kind of like flying through that world. And it was just, it was loading the world instantly. So Uh, games can kind of speed up to um, make things a little bit more open, make traversal, you know, as fast as they want. And um, I'm just really looking forward to to what they can do with that.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. That's the one thing I'm, I'm definitely looking the most forward to, I think is even just seeing that, that leak of the the Spider-Man and how big of a difference it makes, you know, when you, you change to a solid state drive and, the computing power that goes into processing these games faster—it's just that—that—that's pretty exceptional. Um, I've played quite a few games, including a game I'm going to talk about today, that just the load times are insane, and it totally takes you out of the game, right? Especially if those load screens are are happening. You know, like, I'm not talking about booting up the game from the main menu or whatever. I'm talking about those in-game moments that have to load. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, it's a drag. You, nobody wants to go through that. I mean, it, there, there, we definitely our attention span as we as humanity move forward, I think it's lower and lower. But they're when they're matching the same load times of games from way back in the day or games way back in the day, not even having to load that long. It's like I get that there's a lot of things going on there, but shouldn't there should be a balance there as as we come up with better tech, we should also be able to fix some of those problems like that so
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and i will say now that i think about it a little bit more um you know something that hasn't been talked about yet that i would really like to see is um you know sort of like a i don't want to necessarily say like cloud but kind of like that play anywhere sort of Mm -hmm. sort of elements like you know the switch has you know you can play in handheld or you can dock it or whatever and now uh, with Xbox and their X Cloud service. Um, I know PlayStation just recently did an update that kind of uh, opened up uh, remote play functionality a little bit more, mm-hmm. but in, in testing it it, um, it, it just feels a little, still feels pretty choppy to try and play games, like even in my home network, like that's on the same network as the console. Um, so maybe kind of figuring out the remote play thing a little bit better to where I can kind of do like a play anywhere sort of scenario, um, you know, would be, would be really nice. Cause you know, I, it's so easy for me to play games on switch because I can play it anywhere. Like I can be in a totally different room in the house from where my dock is and be able to play no problem. And um, that just makes it easy for me to play games on that. So if there's a solution with PlayStation where I can kind of play my games anywhere I want, then, you know, that obviously brings more value because there's sometimes where I can go weeks without playing my PlayStation because I just don't really have the time mm-hmm. to or the opportunity to go down to the basement and play it down there. So. Yeah,
0: no, totally. Like I even find myself like even, I, I live in an apartment. I, it's, I can literally walk into my living room at any point, play the game sometimes play my switch in my living room but just the portability is is really really helpful and also like megan's is into playing games so you know when she plays a lot of stardew and there's other games on the switch that she likes to play and so now i'm restricted to staying in the the living room so if she wants to kind of go chill out in the bedroom and i and i want to keep playing games i gotta you know Stay, stay where I am, It'd be, it would be really cool to be able to just kind of have that portability. My guess is that I think they're going to try to do something similar with remote play as with as is Microsoft with their xCloud. I think they are going to try and kind of match some sort of streaming capability with remote play. I, I I was listening to Greg on one of the Kind of Funny cast talk a little bit about it. I have yet to test it out for myself, but he was kind of talking about how he, so he was in a hotel, um, I think he was in LA or something like that, and he was remote playing from his PlayStation at home, and it was working, and pretty minimal input lag and everything, and then it, all of a sudden, he got disconnected, and he was wondering what the heck, tried to reconnect, couldn't get it to work, and then he found out there was a power outage back at his place. And so his PS4 completely shut off. So it's (laughs) like, okay, now even if I wanted to, like I can't unless someone was there to reboot my Xbox or PS4 and get that set back up. Um, So there's those kinds of things that could interfere with that. So I don't know. I don't necessarily think they'll have some, who knows, maybe they will, but it would be great if they could kind of have uh, a streaming capability um, with the next console, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a gray area cause they, unlike Google or unlike Xbox, they have yet to really talk about that in great detail. They, I don't even think they've talked about streaming at all for the next generation. So mm-hmm. yeah, it should be interesting to see. I do want to check out that remote play for myself. I tried it. I installed the, the app and everything and I went to go try it. And then I guess I well in fairness, I was downloading a game on my Switch. A, there was a game downloading, but my it said your internet speed is too slow to to use hmm. this. And I checked my internet speed test and like my download and upload were like at least 150 each. Like it was megabits per second. So I'm like, I don't yeah. know what kind of speed you need to and I don't know if that was just because the it was taking a toll from that other game downloading, but I do want to check it out and hopefully talk about it on the show sometime soon.
1: Yeah, I'd like to give it another another shot. So the issue I had when when I was doing it is you know I could I could play it, but I had to use on-screen controls to be able to play a game. I was, right. Uh, I was actually trying to play Indivisible on it uh, to give it a shot because that was about the time the update came out. And the issue I ran into is that I couldn't pair. I could pair the PS4 controller to my phone, but I couldn't use it with the remote play app unless my Android version on my phone was Android 10, which is mm-hmm. not out on Samsung S10 yet. Yeah. So I know it's it's coming. Um, so until then, it's kind of... Using the on-screen controls kind of sucked um, unless you're playing, I guess, maybe like a slower-paced game. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, I definitely want to give it another shot. When that update comes around, I can get Android 10 on my phone. Uh, then this way I can have a little bit more of a true like,
0: controller-based experience. You know, experience. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. All right, let's uh, move over to talking about what games we have been playing. So, Adam, why don't you start us off with one of your first games?
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, so, I've been playing uh, Northgard. This was a game that we got a code for. I've been playing it on uh, my Xbox One. And I'm actually kind of surprised at how much I enjoy it. Because, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I like RTS games. But mm-hmm. my issue with it is that I suck at them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, So I kind of have to get over that a little bit, but I will say that this game is is actually pretty neat, Um, especially for it being on a console. I was worried, you know, RTS games are usually best played on a PC uh, where you have, like, keyboard and mouse controls and um, really helps you kind of manage your, you know, your squad or your troops or, Mm -hmm. you know, what have you. But uh, it actually works pretty well in the way they had it work on console is that you're not really controlling individual squads of troops or um, individual like villagers. So um, you kind of just, as you build buildings, you can assign your villagers to those buildings or to certain roles that those buildings are based around. So like your, your barracks, for instance, like your town hall will just kind of keep over time generating uh, townsfolk. And then, when you want to assign someone to be like a soldier, you go to your barracks and then you assign uh, you assign a citizen to that building, they become a soldier and they're kind of grouped up automatically. So you just kinda, I think it was the hold down the right trigger and A, and then I think there's like several different groups that you can command. So you're kind of commanding those groups on sort of like hotkeys, I guess. Gotcha. And then you can okay. kind of move them to, you know, whatever section of the map that you want. And you don't have to click on enemies specifically. There's regions on the map that you you send them to a region and they'll automatically attack whatever enemies are in that region. Or if they're just, you know, if they're just in that region and enemies come into it, they'll automatically defend it. So you don't have to micromanage your troops into doing very specific things. Um, so I, I think that lends itself really well to playing on, on console. I haven't gotten really far into it because, uh, again, I, I suck at these kind of games. Sure, yeah. Um, I did put it down on the easiest difficulty as well just because I don't want to get slaughtered outright yeah. and rage quit and all that. So um, so it does take me a little bit longer than probably those that are more familiar with RTS games to progress. I've been playing through the campaign, uh, which is you are like a, a Viking war chief where you're basically your entire clan was slaughtered by... A rival clan and you're kind of the sole survivor you're the son of the the previous king or the leader of that clan and you're trying to rebuild and and get your revenge on you know the clan that came in and wiped you out so um you're just kind of going going through the campaign you're um kind of recruiting other clans to join you uh things like that and um one of the one of the interesting things about this is that you're not just doing like your normal resource gathering, building, you know, taking down enemies. Like it is definitely, that's all still there. Um, but another part of it is that you, you have to survive winters. So um, the, each map that you're in kind of progresses in like a yearly cycle. So um, you have your springtime, summertime, fall, and then winter rolls around. And that's where things get a little bit more tricky. Um, Cause in the winter time, your, your troops will, I think they'll take more damage and they'll deal less damage. Uh, so you have to kind of be careful. You don't want to do too much fighting during the winter uh, because of that. And you also have to make sure that your resources are kind of stockpiled for the winter. So your food and uh, like your, your wood and, you know, those type of resources, because your people will burn more wood to stay warm throughout the winter and all that. So uh, and then the food, they'll you won't be able to harvest as much obviously because there's not much to be harvested. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you, you know, that also gets consumed through the winter too. So during those few, few kind of months span, which goes pretty quickly, like it's not like you're sitting there for like, you know, an hour waiting for winter to pass or anything like that. The months go by pretty quick. The years kind of roll by pretty quickly. Um, but it just adds an extra element where it's kind of like, it's not just, build up as fast as you can and go dominate your enemy it's kind of survival in there as well and you're not just fighting rival clans there's sort of um there's like wolves you may have to take down like a wolves den to be able to capture a region or there might be um like there's like Draugr um, that you can fight kind of like the um, like undead mm-hmm. that that you have to fight and kind of take down those dens before you can take a region or there's uh, like fallen Valkyries you might have to fight before you can take over a region. So you're kind of fighting against, um, you know, the elements you're fighting against other clans, you're fighting against these uh, kind of unaligned sort of clans or enemies. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a lot going on, but, um, but it's really interesting. I, I definitely have been having fun with it. I've just been doing the campaign, but there is like a, uh, like if you just want to go into like a single match, you can definitely do that. There's multiplayer. Um, so there are options for those that do like to play these games online with others. Um, but yeah, I mean, over, overall, it's just been, um, it's been pretty fun. I've been enjoying it, even though I'm terrible at it. Uh, it's been, it's been playable. Like I said, it just takes me a little bit longer to get through, but I haven't hit anything where it's like, oh my God, this is too hard. Like, I can't get through But, I mean, obviously, there's other difficulties. Like I said, I kind of have it on the... It's just there's, like, normal, hard, and, like, extra hard. Mm -hmm. So I just have it on the normal difficulty. And, um, you know, for those that want more of a challenge that are more seasoned pros at these type of games, you can, uh, you know, up the difficulty on that. So um, pretty solid. Like I said, I didn't beat it yet. But, um, you know, just kind of working my way through the campaign slowly. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Cool. That that's awesome. I, when I first when we got the the code for it, I was pretty impressed with how it looked. I, I watched even just a couple trailers of the gameplay, and it looked like a pretty polished RTS game, which I think is something that's kind of difficult to do, considering there's so many other big big AAA mm-hmm. RTS's out there, um, primarily for for PC, but there are some out there that are really popular and, and hard to, you know, it's it's hard to come up against those. And so when I was looking at it, I was interested in, yeah, how, how, what you thought of it, because it, it, it looks really well polished. I like the fact that there is an extra, ele- extra element into it of, you know, you're not just fighting other clans, there are other enemies there. And then that survival element of it is something that I, I had no idea was included in the game as someone who actually kind of like survival games and I, I enjoy RTSs as well i think you know that that sounds like a good matchup to me um i that was the one thing that always kind of bugged me back in the day of playing age of empires or some of those other games is you're basically just fighting one other opponent mm-hmm. um so the addition of having other things in there i think just gives more layers to this game which is really neat
1: yeah, the most most other games they're all just about amassing as large of an army as you can in the shortest amount of time possible, and this mm-hmm. this adds a little bit more layers of you know planning and and tacticalness uh, nature to it, mm-hmm. while also um, you know like I said your your armies are going to be smaller, um, but it's not you know it's not too small like you still you still get to go out and you get to do like your conquests and raids mm-hmm. on on you know your enemies and stuff, but. Uh, the extra layers of kind of playing defensively and um, just resource management and survivability. Like, it, it's it's all a lot of fun and um, definitely easy recommends uh, for anyone that's into RTS games or, like, survival-type games. And, yeah, it's it a good time.
0: And the plus side is it's available on everything. It's on PS4, Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, and, of course, PC. So mm-hmm. you pretty much... I, if you have, if you play video games, which I'm sure you do, you're going to have <laughs> at least one and one access to one of those things. So it's really neat. I think I actually might consider in the down season, maybe picking it up. Uh, mm-hmm. Not right now, just because of so much going on. But cool. Yeah, and I mean, just um,
1: you know, as a, another thing here to to kind of point out on Steam, it's nine out of ten. PC Gamer gave it an eighty-four, has eighty-four percent. And uh, Metacritic is 80%. So, uh, I mean, it's definitely reviewed very well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely worth the the ratings that it's receiving.
0: I will, in the show notes below, I will link to uh, the Xbox store, the Nintendo Switch store, PS, PSN, I guess, and uh, Steam. So you guys have links to go check it out for yourself if you're interested in, in playing it. So I'm going to mention a game I've been playing. It's another game that I received a code for. And that is Hat in Time for the Nintendo Switch. So this is a 3D platformer. Kind of like a mascot platformer. It's uh, developed by Gears for Breakfast. And it was published by Humble Bundle. And uh, the game's been out for a couple years now. It first released uh, on PC... Back in October 2017, and then the PS4 and Xbox in December of 2017. But it the reason why I got a review copy is it's just made its way to the Nintendo Switch. So uh, the game released last week, October 18th, and uh, included in the Nintendo Switch version is... Uh, is the DLC called um, Seal the Deal. So when you buy the Nintendo Switch edition, not only are you getting the game, you're also getting the full DLC pack that comes with it. So uh, the game itself is very interesting. I have lots of thoughts around it. Um, It's very similar to some of the old mascot 3D platformers um, like Banjo Kazooie or Spyro or Super Mario 64. A lot of the that that generation of games, where three D platformers were really popular, and some of the the mechanics and um, gameplay style from those games, it's basically like a spiritual successor to those types of games. I guess uh, very similar to how you know Ukulele was a game that was you know developed by people who helped create some of the old rare games back in the day. Uh, this is a game that was clearly inspired by people who really enjoyed 3D platformers and wanted to make one for their own. Now, the concept of this game is kind of interesting. Uh, so you play as your character's name is literally Hat Kid. And Hat Kid, <laughs> uh, the <clears throat> the gameplay loop is basically, it's kind of set in an open world environment. There's kind of like a hub world. It's kind of like a spaceship that you are on. And uh, you go all your... you you have these, uh, what do you call it? Hourglasses uh, that kind of act as like your your golden puzzle pieces in Banjo-Kazooie. That's my best kind of way of explaining it, or your stars in Super Mario 64, right? And they have been scattered <laughs> across all these worlds. Very similar, that's a very similar mechanic to a lot of other 3D platformers. And so your goal is to go down, explore these worlds, and, and collect them uh, through you know doing different tasks or defeating different enemies and stuff like that, finding them hidden around the map. Um, And so that's kind of basically the premise of it. Now, the other aspect of it is that you have all these different hats, right? It's called a hat in time. That's kind of the, the, the mechanic to it is you have different hats that you can collect and unlock that will give you different abilities. So your first hat is kind of like a top hat type thing. And its special power is basically zeroing in on where your next objective is. So it will basically kind of take all your attention. It will turn your character and it will circle. Basically, that's where you need to go. Um, There's other hats. Like I have one that basically makes you run faster and you can dash. I have a hat that um, is kind of like a witch's hat that you can basically create these kind of like bombs that you can throw at enemies or at debris to kind of clear paths and stuff like that so the the goal is to kind of get as many hats as you can because that's the easiest way to kind of advance through these different worlds and and get to areas that you couldn't get to before now you may be thinking that this there's kind of a lot of resemblance to super mario odyssey and a game that also focused on hats and um using them to do different things in the game. And I think that's kind of where this game kind of had a hard time selling. So this game was actually backed on Kickstarter. It it reached its goal and, and doubled it, I think, within a couple days. And But as I said, the game came out on October 5th, 2017. And Super Mario Odyssey came out, I think, October 27th, 2017, or something like that. Somewhere around there. Yeah. And so, you know, that's obviously even though it's on one console um, and this is on PC where there's, you know, lots of people out there with PCs, you know, Mario is going is the king of 3D platformers. And so it's maybe not going to get the attention, but I have to say it's a pretty, pretty well polished game, considering that it's it's running on Unreal Engine, and that it's developed by a smaller team. Um, the The worlds the worlds are really weird. <laughs> That's been my biggest kind of criticism of the game is that it is very whimsical and very odd. I mean, one of the characters uh, that you encounter in the game is called Mustache Girl, and so she looks kind of like Little Red R- Riding Hood with like a red cloak. But then she has like a yellow mustache. So that's very odd. One of the first worlds you go to is called Mafia Town. And it's full of these like bald guys in blue suits um, called the Mafia. And they are all sound the same. They all look the same. And they like it's just weird you know what I mean like it I I don't know how to like it really I have a hard time explaining it because I have a hard time understanding the characters and stuff um like there's a whole other section where you kind of get into it with these these two birds who are like movie stars or something and there's they kind of have a rival and so you kind of get caught intertwined in this big feud that these birds are having with each other so yeah, it's. <laughs> I haven't uh, completed it fully yet. I actually, I like it enough that I want to keep keep going, um, and and see the end because maybe again these things that that I find weird or, or very nonsensical doesn't make a lot of sense could be explained later in the game. Um, so I haven't beat it yet, but. In the long run, it's 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 a pretty pretty fun game if you like that genre. I will say that I have encountered a couple of technical issues. Um, now I was playing it before it was released, so it's possible that I got a day one patch. I you know, I would encounter some issues of clipping into areas I, I didn't necessarily need to be in, and also just like being able to see the the world underneath the map kind of thing right when you get too close to a wall and turn turn the camera and you kind of see that you're just walking around in a floating square right so there's kind of those things that have come up but again it's nothing game breaking and it's not impacting my gameplay at all so it's it's really just being nitpicky on on some of those technical things um and they've been very minimal so i I should make that clear but yeah it's pretty fun i uh the one thing that I think has not aged well when it comes to these 3D platformers is when, when a lot of the time that they focus on collecting things. Right, you're collecting the hats, you're collecting these hourglasses, uh, you're collecting these kind of like green orbs that you use as currency to buy new hats or, or to buy badges um, that will unlock different combat abilities and that kind of stuff. And all all that is makes sense, but it's just in this day and age, you know. I think that was really popular back on the Nintendo sixty four, mm-hmm. um, but today, you know, that's where I think that the game Ukulele really yeah. struggled. Is it was trying to do something, but it just, you know, we we are we're nostalgic for those games, but we don't necessarily like all the things that come with them. You know, collecting a hundred of one thing is a little tedious at times. I just uh, earlier this year I platinum Spyro the Dragon and. That was something I had to do is make sure I got all the gems I encountered. And <laughs> after a while, you know, it kind of got a little bit annoying, but I was so close to the platinum that it's like, okay, well, let's just commit and get it get it done with. But, I mean, some people like that. They like collecting things. The feel of, you know, being able to 100% a level and get do every single thing um, and being able to track that is really neat. So... I get the appeal, but that's one thing that I think I find a little tedious. Um, So yeah, I'm going to keep playing it. I'm going to continue talking about it uh, just because it is a game that was provided, you know, to us. And so I do want to talk about my experience when I get a little further in the game. And I will be completing that uh, DLC to talk a little bit about that as well. Uh, It came, we, we just had Thanksgiving up here in Canada. So I've had a very busy week visiting and traveling and stuff like that so uh, part of the reason why I wasn't on the show last week so once I can get some more time into it I think I'll be able to give a, a more do I recommend this or not kind of thing so so Adam you've been playing uh something that you uh haven't that I actually didn't realize that you it was a game that you weren't as familiar with um as I was, I thought it was a game that almost everyone had played, but why don't you just go ahead and uh, talk about, talk about that. So I,
1: <laughs> I have pretty much outright boycotted this game for the longest time. <laughs> and that would be uh Fortnite battle Royale. <laughs> I uh, kind of hated myself for playing it even, but um, so it's funny, like when they first launched their kind of pve mode the save the world mode mm-hmm. uh, me and my friends we actually all picked that up and we played save the world mode together which was a lot of fun we all had a really good time with that the building elements the um kind of like uh horde mode thing like the wave after wave enemy yeah. type thing and just building up creating new weapons and getting loot and all that it's a good grind to it and um we had a lot of fun with it. And then, you know, after the whole PUBG thing blew up, then they were kind of like, well, let's do our own and we'll do a battle royale. And then it turned into um very meme culture with the dances and, and <laughs> things like that. And mm-hmm. it kind of made me just hate the game entirely. Um, you know, because there was a there was a really good mode that was going totally unnoticed, it was being way overshadowed by this battle royale mode, and it made me a little salty. And um, I hated all the memes. So I'm just like, I'm never going to play this game. And I didn't until the um, the whole black hole thing came up. And I'm like, oh, good. Is it gone forever now? <laughs> Which obviously it wasn't. It was only gone for like two days. But uh, it came back and they had a trailer to go along with it. And so I watched the trailer just, you know, to see what was going on. And um, so I guess it's just, I guess it's, it's basically a brand new map. Um, to my understanding. I have no frame of reference. I never played the original, uh, the the chapter one stuff. And I uh, surprisingly enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just, you know, I I hopped in. I did. um, I was actually at my brother's house and I was watching his kid because he was homesick and they needed someone to babysit. So I was over there they had it already downloaded on their, their console. Cause I know his kids were into it for a little while. So I'm like, ah, eh, what the heck, you know, no harm, no foul. I can play it on his console. And, you know, if I hate it, I never have to touch it again. Yeah. so I did a couple matches and I did surprisingly well for, you know, just hopping in for the first time ever. And so I'm like, okay, you know, um, this was, this was kind of cool. So I came home, I downloaded it on my Switch and my PS4 and booted it up and played some more matches and I got first place um, in one of the matches and then followed it up with a whole bunch of like top 10 finishes, some uh, some number twos, some number threes, fours. Um, so I've been consistently getting pretty good ranks out of it, which makes it more fun for me that I'm doing well. So I kept playing and kept playing and kind of got hooked on it. And um, I actually had quite a few V bucks saved up from when I was playing the Save the World mode, because uh, I feel at one point it was pretty generous with the V bucks. Um, so I I had some of that lying around. So there was uh, I ended up doing the the Battle Pass with it, which I paid for mostly with my. Previously accrued V-Bucks, but then there was like a, a deal where you could get a character skin, um, a backpack skin, and then like 600 V-Bucks for five real dollars. So um, so I ended up doing that. So it was basically like a $5 buy-in, which is about $5 cheaper than if you just paid with straight V-Bucks. Mm-hmm. Plus I got a character out of it. So I'm like, ah, I'll give it a shot. Because um, I, as you, as you level up, you get experience, you level up. It unlocks a different tier, an item that you get, but only some of those items you actually get if you don't have the battle pass. Mm-hmm. If you have the battle pass, you get every item at every level up, but there's there are very few and far between if you just have the free pass. And um, it was kind of a bummer leveling up and not really getting anything, and um, I had just kind of the, the basic character, which just kind of cycles out between a couple male and female uh, models every match and it's like well that's kind of lame like I want something cool to look at yeah. so I figured if I got the thing um, and I guess you level up a little bit faster too if you have the battle pass so that was kind of a bonus um, I I will say so the game itself is fun uh, I, I know there's a big building mechanic with it a lot of people don't like it I, I don't like it but uh, that's okay I, I haven't really had to use it Um, typically once you get into the top 10, you're going to run into at least one person that just builds insane towers in a matter of seconds and could easily get the upper hand on you. But, um, I've been doing pretty well that, you know, once I get into like that top three or four range, I can usually get myself in a position where it doesn't matter. Um, either I can climb their tower or I can just kind of chill underneath it and maybe try and knock it down a little bit, um, to try and bring them back down to me. Um, my biggest faults why I don't have more number one finishes is just crappy gunplay on my part. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's more on me than it is not keeping up with building mechanics. So, uh, for those that hate the building, yeah, it kind of stinks. Sometimes it does give the other person the advantage. Um, but it's, I don't feel like it's a requirement mm-hmm. um, which made me feel a little bit better about playing through. Cause I mean, every now and then I'll put up a wall for myself just to buy myself a little bit of time uh, just to kind of regroup, reload, something like that. Or I'll occasionally put up, you know, a set of, uh, of stairs real quick to to get to an area that's out of reach. Um, but that's about it. I, I don't really do a lot of building. Um, it's simple for, for a newbie like me coming into battle royale, I did play Call of Duty Blackout last year, which I had a lot of fun with, but I wasn't very good at. Um, there's a lot more involved in that. There's a lot more guns. There's all the attachments for the guns. There's vehicles. There's there's a there's a whole lot to to take in account. And uh, beyond that, I, I I just wasn't good at it. For some reason, um, with with Fortnite, things are more colorful. Things stand out a little bit better. It's a little easier to see the other characters running around on the map. There's only really a few guns. There's maybe like two of each variety max. Um, you don't have to worry about adding attachments to them or anything. So it's a little bit more um, it's a little bit more base and kind of more streamlined and more user friendly, I guess, uh, for those that aren't. Major pros with the the genre of game, but I've been having fun. I've I've gotten some levels, you know, and it gotten some new customizations and stuff, which is really uh, a big selling point for the game. People love the customizations. Um, on that note, there is a store that you can buy customizations, and this is the the part of the game that I thought was just gross. Um, I I feel like it's extremely predatory uh, with their shop. So, again, everything's so, so much is based around customizations, whether it's your character model, um, skins for your guns, um, emotes for, like, the different dances and things like that, um, visual models for, like, your, your pickaxe or so the thing that you, you know, kind of harvest materials with, knock down buildings with, um, plays a pretty big element in, in the game. Um, so there's different customizations for that backpack customizations, So, but these things are ridiculously expensive. Mm-hmm. A, I don't think I've seen a character skin that was less than a hundred V bucks. So you have to pay with everything with V bucks. So you have to buy the V bucks first, then translate that into the item that you want to buy in, in the store. And I haven't seen anything that's less than a thousand V bucks. And so that, kind of a comparison to real dollars that's about $10. Mm-hmm. So you're paying at least $10 for your character to look different in game which seems absolutely insane to me. <laughs> yeah. Um I feel like in most games you know maybe 2 to $3 would seem okay but like 10, some of them 12, some of them 15. Um I think there's some that I've heard that go up to like 20 bucks and I just I don't understand. How, why do people pay money for these? Um, that's that's a ridiculous amount of money to pay into that. Like you buy three characters, you you could basically have yourself a full retail game with that amount of money. So um, the battle pass I don't think is too bad. I mean, that's that's about $10, $10 real money and 100 levels that you can get during that time. So every level you're either getting uh, some sort of customization, you might get... Um, new loading screens you might get new character models new uh new customizations for your guns or your your pickaxe thing uh you do get v bucks in there too so i know in this this season uh if you make it all the way through you can earn up to 1500 v bucks which could get you something from the store if you wanted or you could use that to pay for your next battle pass um so you can kind of keep rolling with that and so the battle I don't think it's too bad. You just put some time into the game. You get experience for basically everything you do in the game. It's not too difficult to level up, um, especially when they have the the extra XP weekends like they just had. And you do get a pretty fair amount of customizations, including just by getting the battle pass, you get uh, a a male and a female character skin. Um, So right off the bat, you're getting two different character options. And then as you go through, you get plenty more. I've already unlocked, you know, plenty of customization. Cause when I started, I felt like I had nothing Mm -hmm. completely barren, just very basic. And it's like, you don't really need any of that. It doesn't impact the gameplay at all, but Mm -hmm. it is a third person game. So you are looking at your character, you know, other people can see you. Um, So it is, you know, you do kind of want to have a little bit of customization over your character and, and the way they look. So, um, the battle pass just makes a pretty easy way for you to get some of that stuff without paying outrageous sums of money for it. So, And then also having the potential sustainability to not have to spend any real money on upcoming battle passes if you get enough e bucks throughout. So um, underneath the, the memes and the, the, the gross item store, um, it's actually a really fun game. And for those that have boycotted it like myself, but do like the battle Royale genre to maybe give it a, a little bit of a try. Um, if you have been playing a lot of apex legends or a lot of PUBG or a lot of blackout, you might not find it as engaging because there's not as many things to consider, like which gun is best or which attachments are best things, things of that nature. But um, if you just want to sit down and have some fun, um, you know, have a pretty easy i guess experience compared to the other ones then you know it's pretty pretty solid
0: yeah fortnite as i mean it is clear that it's it's been a success with how how big it's just blown up in since it's launched right especially the battle royale mode like i've talked about it on the show before i jumped jumped into fortnite and when it was in beta, when it very first came to consoles, there was no customization or anything like that really included. Um, there weren't even... The, the Battle Pass wasn't even a thing yet. And, I yeah, I justify it being a free game. The Battle Pass, 10 bucks, great. When you talk about the other things of, like, paying $10 for skins and stuff, that's definitely excessive. I agree. Um, there's that argument that it's people's money they can spend it however they want sure that's true but i mean this game is clearly has a their their target audience is generally younger and i i've seen how that can like my um my nephews have gotten into that before of making purchases on on things um Mm -hmm. you know not necessarily knowing that their their dad's credit card is going to be charged, but like that that's something that happens pretty regularly, and so it's you know do is that the developer's job to to control that more, you know like there, there there's a big argument there that we've had lots of times over over loot boxes and all that, but yeah that I think that's the my biggest criticism of the game is all that stuff really kind of puts a sour taste in your mouth, um, but if you're just basic like anyone who likes video games and how how they impact the industry as a whole like if you haven't played fortnite yet i think you should give it a shot to actually see and i guarantee you'll have a fun time because it is a solid game when you're talking about just the the gameplay loop and what you do in it it's fun um you know it's i get why kids like doing it like when i was back in my day i would get home and i'd jump on to multiplayer call of duty and party up with my friends and we'd So it's that same kind of thing, um, yeah. I I want I have planned to check out this second season. I I haven't played every single season of Fortnite. Um, like there's been lots of major map changes to the old map that I missed out on, but I did experience some bigger ones, like when uh, it froze half of it was like frozen over. Um, you know when the rifts were a big thing, uh, when Thanos <laughs> came to the game and was a playable uh that was really fun i actually got to get the gauntlet at one point and play as him um so yeah it's it's a fun game on how they continuously add all these different modes and limited time events and pairing up with things like like just last month they were doing something with borderlands so it, it is really cool i wonder i just when you think like they're they're losing steam they do something like this where they, mm-hmm. they get everyone talking about them for a solid you know, 48 hours or however long it was. And then then they just jump back up, right? Bring in people like you who hear this being part of the conversation, never played the game, you know? So it's, it's pretty impressive. All right, uh, we're running a little long. So let's move on to uh, question of the week. So I know you guys brought out the question, Stephen, gave his answer to you um Mm -hmm. and you saved it for this week unfortunately no one else wrote in (laughs) um I think that's just due to the fact that I posted it two weeks ago now um I I should have reposted it again on my on the social media sites just to refresh everybody but it's also more of a difficult question so last week's question was what is the most obscure game you know or play uh so Adam do you have an answer for this week
1: yeah, so mine is... I don't know how obscure it is. I feel like it's kind of obscure because I never really knew anybody else that I talked to that actually played it. And that was Lost Odyssey on uh, Xbox 360. Uh, it's a JRPG game. Um, really well done. I, I think they did a great job with combat in it. Uh, the story was a lot of fun. You you play as someone who's essentially immortal. Um, there's other immortals that you encounter throughout, but... Um, you know, so your main character is, is a thousand years old, um, immortal. Now that's not to say you can't lose in battle. There is, you know, kind of things in place like you can lose. Um, so it's not like you're impervious to damage or anything like that, but, um, they explain things pretty well throughout the story, but there's, um, neat little sections or, or things that you can find throughout the game that are kind of like, uh, totally just like narrative memories of your main character of the the kind of lives that he's lived over his thousand years and kind of the different people he's come across and um none of it's like illustrated or anything you just kind of read his sort of his sort of telling of of his memory and the the people that he met and there's some really like there's some really good writing in those like some of those like really kind of bring on the feels um and and the writing in general was just kind of good. It was a little tropey, but um, you know, a lot of RPGs kind of fall into that. You know, even the Final Fantasy ones. So it's not like anything real big against it. But I had a blast with it. The only thing that kind of annoyed me is playing through, um, and trying to get all the achievements. I came really close. There's one achievement that you have to get. You have to find all the treasure chests throughout the world to unlock the achievement so every treasure chest in the game you have to get and i think i must have missed this thing by like one or two and potentially in areas that you can't get back to um but it was honestly like one of my favorite jrpg games and i think it kind of really went under the radar on that system and um you know i kind of wish more people would have played it and if ever it comes to game pass or something i it's one that i highly recommend
0: yeah i remember so i've I've joked on the show before that like i never been interested in really jrpg games this is actually one that when it came out um i was interested in i i don't know, even know how i came across it i think i was just looking through the xbox store um or just i don't even know yeah what it was and uh, came across it, saw a trailer for it, and wanted it really bad. Went to a couple different stores to get it, and it wasn't available for whatever reason. Um, and so I just, yeah, never got the opportunity to play it. But uh, yeah, it, it looks cool. It's one of those rare times that it's a, a JRPG that's an exclusive to an Xbox console, um, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game, I just double checked, it is backwards compatible and yes. it was part of Games with Gold, or wait, oh yeah, so the game was made available digitally on December 14 2016, and was a free download to all Xbox Live members until December 31st, so I, it did pass as a Games with Gold, and I, I mm. missed it, unfortunately, but...
1: Yeah, that's too bad.
0: I If it came to Game Pass, which I'm sure at maybe some point it would it's an xbox 360 exclusive but there's maybe some other licensing stuff they got to get through um i would totally play it because it's it's a game i i'm interested in for sure my obscure game is also kind of in the same boat one that i'm sure there's lots of people that have heard of it but when i bring it up there's lots of people that have never heard of it and it was actually the first game i ever got well technically rock band because uh, my parents got me a 360 for my birthday, and they also got me Rock Band with it, so that was the first game. But the first standalone game I got was Kane and Lynch Dead Men, and it was a game from IO Interactive, who you know is still making games today with like Hitman and everything. So they're a pretty big developer, and it was uh, IDOS Interactive um, before they were IDOS or what are they now? Sorry, IDOS, I always can, IDOS Europe, they're called Square Enix Europe, that's why. I knew that they Mm -hmm. weren't Mm -hmm. what they were anymore. Anyways, uh, yeah, it's basically a third person shooter game um, where you play as Kane and you also have this partner, Lynch. um, And the game literally starts with you breaking out of uh, a prison transport vehicle. And I'll save the time of just. What the game's plot is, but basically, um, it, it's a it's a crime-focused game. You're a criminal. Um, it deals a lot with, um, like Lynch has these has uh, points where he has is really aggressive and he's hallucinating um, that uh, all the AI characters are police and stuff like that and some that ha- some have animal heads and stuff so it's it's kind of has a an interesting violent kind of PTSD overtones to it and stuff um, which is really interesting uh, i was now that i think about it it was like the what what i really liked about it is the game was co-op local co-op so you could just one person would play as lynch and the other could play as kane um yeah, it's, it's just, it's basically, if you like games with original stories, uh, one, some that specifically re- result, or sorry, rotate. I'm, <laughs> I am need my coffee. and My voice is just, <laughs> I'm trying to keep up with my thoughts. Uh, rotate, rotate around the world of crime and stuff like that. If that's a game that interests you. You would probably find it interesting, especially if you like third-person shooters. It did get a sequel, uh, called Ken Lynch to Dog Days or Dog something like that and it was set in Tokyo which was really uh, odd cuz it was a it kind of was similar there's some uh, Asian levels in the first game so it made sense to the story's plot and everything like that but it just didn't have the quite the same feel as the first one for me but I really liked it it was at the time playing it it was like I think it was because it was the first game I played on 360 from the PlayStation 2. And so it was like, looking at it, it looked like amazing. I'm sure if I went back and played it, it would probably not be as great. But yeah, anyways, I I wanted to mention that game because I I found it has sold over 1 million Mm -hmm. copies as of January 11th, 2008. Um, So that's quite a significant amount, but... I I don't think a lot of people have heard of it. So that's my obscure game. Hmm. Um, So this week's question of the week, and of course you can send your answers to the email address, gamesarefunpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can just respond on social media sites such as Facebook and Twitter. The questions are posted each week there. And this week's question is, if streaming becomes a viable option, Would you consider skipping buying the next generation of consoles? So continuing that conversation that we've had already today of Google Stadia and talking about the PS5 and Xbox One, I guess my question is, you know, if Stadia proves to be something or Stadia or xCloud proves to be something that works for you and meets all the expectations when it comes to playing video games, would you consider fully embracing that and just skipping buying hardware next generation so i'm interested in seeing what you guys can come up with for this week's question uh it's a little bit more detailed than a simple one-word answer i think so <laughs>
1: it's very very thought-provoking yeah question.
0: <laughs> um so yeah send in your responses and we'll read them next week as as well as our own answers for that question um, but yeah, that concludes this week's episode of Games are Fun. Adam, as always, thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. Mm-hmm. Where can people find you?
1: Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Adam Palooza 85.
0: You can follow me at Luke Allen Arm on Twitter and of course the podcast is available on Facebook. Uh, just search for games are Fun. You can follow us at Twitter at games are Fun Pod, and you can follow us at Instagram at games are Fun pod so that concludes this week's episode and we will talk to you guys next week see you later